Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Offscreen. We've got some fun in space, we've got some fun in China, and we've got some fun in the kitchen. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Bex Perfect, and this is Offscreen. Groovy. Okay, so this week we have quite a mix for you, don't you think, Van? It is quite eclectic mix, yes, definitely. Yeah, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. I'm hoping that there's a little bit of something for everyone. I I would say that's most definitely the case. I did enjoy some things this week and hated others, and I found it very varied spread. And I very much look forward to debating quite a bit of it with you. (laughs) I think we might agree on one. I look to be enlightened on another, and I think you and I are going to lock horns big time on a third. Yeah, yeah, I think so. so. But we've got everything that you could possibly need for watching the stuff on the big screen the small screen and if you're streaming stuff as well we've got a little bit of options there for you too so should we kick off with the first movie of the week so yeah the further farewell which is uh, the farewell you should probably end with that yeah, to be you probably honest. should have shouldn't we? yeah we didn't think of that one through now uh so this is a latest film from uh, uh writer director lulu wang uh this is uh based on as it this is the claim it is based on an actual lie a true story of an actual lie Yes, okay, I got it, yeah. Right, so this is based on... In, remember when Crazy Rich Asians came out? There was the... My favourite point of the year last year. Yeah, and same here, how good was that? It was so good. But one of the brilliant things about Crazy Rich Asians was the way in which it dealt with very distinct, unique cultural traditions of the region. That and Aquafina. And, and, and yeah, and, so, and, and we've got both of those here. Fantastic. So same kind of thing where this time we are looking again at Chinese cultural uh, traditions and norms. Specifically, one technique where when, the family, uh, when, when a family discovers that a family member is dying, they try and keep it from them. And they bear the, the, the weight of that for them. It's, it's seen as an honour as, as well as being, you know, sort of a, a, a curse. Yeah, a, a, okay. you know, a, and that's what happens here. You've got a Chinese-American family. So a Chinese family who have, you know, they've moved to the States decades earlier. Orkafina has been raised there since she was like nine, for instance. So, so she's very much American. Very much, yeah. very much just Orkafina, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, her, her dad is played by Zima, which makes me very happy because I'm a big fan of Zima, <laughs> as anyone who's ever watched 24 would be. And uh, basically, they discover that uh, uh, Nai Nai, uh, Nai Nai, I think Nai Nai, the paternal grandmother, is uh, diagnosed with terminal cancer without her knowing about it. And right. the idea is the family stage a wedding, the wedding that's taking place, they stage it in China as an excuse to go and spend time with her and say, wouldn't you know it, a farewell. Wow, or that pref- is pretty far-fetched, isn't it? Well, this is the thing, it actually happened. This is something that happened. This happened to a real Nai-Nai, and we, we are shown the real Nai-Nai at the end of the movie in that oh wonderful goodness. true story kind of a way. Orkafina, of course, has uh, her character has issues with the cultural side of this. Is it right to lie to someone? Yeah. Uh, exactly, and it's, are you doing them a favour? And it's it's very fam- it's a familial drama. It has that cultural cu- culture clash element to it. There's a lot of ethical discussion. There's a lot of dramedy in there, and there's a lot of you know family bonding. Oh, I quite like it. I yeah. like the sound of this because I think you know you look at. Unfortunately, I'd have to say this: you look at a movie that is an entirely Asian cast. Mm. And you probably wouldn't look twice at it if you're passing those posters on the underground because you might think that it's a foreign language film or something like that. So for a wider audience, mm-hmm. you might actually want to, like, you know, by listening to this and you saying that it's a really, you know, heartfelt, good movie. Oh, and very gives sweet. You, yeah, really sweet. So 
for me, I kind of go, well, actually, let's give that one a shot. I mean, the marketing machine behind Crazy Rich Agents was huge because of the book oh, yes. as well. So you're not getting that with this necessarily. So I think it'll be really interesting to see what the audience reaction is going to be to this, how many people actually go to the cinema to go and mm. watch it, because it sounds like it's worth a watch for sure. I think everyone who came out of our screening of it uh, yesterday seemed to be a fan. Great. Not Maybe they didn't love it, but they did think it was quite good. Um, everyone was filled with praise for Awkwafina. Me as well. I, I think she's genuinely She terrific. was like a YouTube star, right? who suddenly moved into acting. Yeah, I believe that's the case, that she was like big on YouTube and then suddenly she's managed to become that funny girl in certain movies, that funny Asian girl, and now she's actually showing that she can actually, she's got some acting chops to her. I assumed she was a stand-up comedian or a, or a musician. But she might well have been, but on uh, YouTube, I think. Yeah, I have no idea. I can't keep up. I didn't know who Lizzo I could be was until last week. completely wrong with that. Yeah. <laughs> but as I say, you say about the foreign language thing, it is largely in uh, Mandarin. It is in, I think it is in Chinese. Oh, okay. Um, there are English language bits to it, components, and they do, as is you know something that actually happens in reality, they flip between the two languages mid-sentence as you do yeah but uh, well they did a little bit of that in Crazy Rich Asians that didn't seem to bother anyone exactly yeah but I do think very worth seeing definitely very sweet moving funny dramedy with some great performances now ladies and gents I hope you are ready for a brawl because I think that's exactly what's going to happen right now between Van and myself over a movie called The Kitchen. Um, no, it is not about uh, John Favreau's latest <laughs> escapades as a movie John Favreau's chef. not going after film critics N- no, again. He's no, not. no, no. <laughs> no, this is a movie that stars Melissa McCarthy and Elizabeth Moss and a whole host of other people. And it's basically about three mob wives in the uh, 1970s, the late 1970s in Hell's Kitchen, uh, whose husbands all end up in jail and they decide that they're not getting given enough money from whoever's taking over the mob business. Little Jackie. (laughs) And so take matters into their own hands and start to run the business and ultimately become leaders of the empire. Now might be the time. For what? For you. Our husbands have 24 months left on their sentences. Sorry, baby. This is the Irish mob, organized crime. We're gonna take care of you. You girls are gonna be just fine. We got no money. Can't even make the rent with what they gave me last night. They didn't want me in the family in the first place. 40 years we pay protection and we don't get nothing for it. They have been telling us forever that we are never gonna do anything but have babies. Bunch of men that have forgotten what family means. So we remind them. Okay, so that trailer, mm-hmm. the drum beats in that is completely off. Okay, it, is, it doesn't, isn't it? It doesn't yeah. need to have that. Right, I'm going to set the scene for you guys because before we went into the screening, I text Van and a couple of other people. <laughs> and I was just like, I was more concerned to find out whether or not they had food at this screening. Yes, yes, you And were. I said, I'm off to watch The Kitchen. And Van's response was, worst film of the year by far. I thought it was one of the worst. <laughs> one of the worst, fine. Well, Dark Phoenix worst. exists. Ah, uh, yes, fair enough. Yeah. Um, so my expectations were really low and I was like, I can't believe I'm going to have to sit through an hour and 40 minutes of what <laughs> is considered to be one of the worst movies of the year. Always go into a movie with your expectations super low because it can only get better. And by the end of it, I went out and went, it's got problems. It's not the greatest gangster movie of all time. It's an interesting premise that doesn't work in a lot of places. It's certainly not one of the worst films of the year. 
But I'd like to know why you think it is. I think tonally it's a disaster. I think all the performances seem to come from entirely different genres whatsoever. So people see every every distinct person seems to think they're starring in a different movie. Melissa McCarthy's doing a comedy. I think uh, Tiffany Haddish swings for this sort of almost Brian Singer like kind of terrain. And and then you've got a script which frankly sorry wait wait, wait. Brian Singer type terrain for Tiffany Haddish. Uh, I, I I could name the specific film, but I think it would be a spoiler. Okay, fine. So I, I, I'm just going to say that. But uh, let's just say limping. Okay. If we say limping, okay. give yep. you an idea. Okay. Uh, there's more happens in the last 15 minutes than happens in the entire 90 minutes that precede it. And frankly, it, it, it's got no distinct look, no distinct style. It feels like a cost-saving exercise trying to squeeze some extra value out of the sets from Joker. Uh, I don't know why Elizabeth Moss is in it, because last time I checked, she had a feminist fan base who were holding her up on high. So why should go and do a role that's this limp, that is this kind of archaic, is, I think, quite sad. I know they try to let's just say give us some balls later on doesn't quite work that way though and it feels very hackneyed uh plot developments swing at you so fast and and free in that final 15 minutes that frankly it's hard to keep up with it and it's great big grand reveal and bear in mind i've never read the comic book that this is based on this by the way is based on a comic book is it yes oh that's why when the film starts it starts with dc vertigo yes i did see that but actually mm. do you know what um someone that's working uh, at my house at the moment i talked to him about it this morning mm. and he said is it based on that tv shit series mob wives <laughs> <laughs> and i said well just by the premise of it you probably think maybe yes yeah, probably. but let me just give you the flip side of this because what you're seeing here is not something that's done as well as hustlers which is about female empowerment in any sort of way but it's trying to go in that direction so you've got melissa mccarthy who essentially is like the constance Wu kind of character from uh, hustlers in this movie where she's trying to be the heart of it she's got the conscience she's got a kind of genuinely good husband mm-hmm. who is caught up in all this mob stuff so she doesn't want anything bad to happen to him you've then got tiffany haddish who to some extent you always know there's something a little bit sort of more aggressive about her she starts a sort of first lady type figure doesn't yeah, she yeah she does she's definitely the strongest one of the bunch and then you've got elizabeth moss who is the complete weak a meek character in this movie that you know is probably going to flip to do something completely extreme because of that reason so all I would say about this is that the problems that lie within this movie is that it jumps from uh, little little housewives on the prairie through to <laughs> mob bosses way too quickly there's no explanation there's no progression there and that's the wrong element in it but ultimately it's still a watchable movie you get the gist of what's going on it's not brilliant i i completely go with you this but it's 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 shot fine it's acted as okay um and it tells a story that you can follow and you can follow with you know it's a throwaway movie for sure but it's not something that i'd say throw it away stamp on it throw it in the river <laughs> and make sure it drowns. Yeah, you have to cut it at the joints. <laughs> yeah, you have to you cut, have it, to cut it, at the it As we're told in the movie, you have to cut it at the joints yeah, to, and, then, exactly. and then break the bones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and possibly stab the lungs out just to make sure it definitely sinks. <laughs> Does, it doesn't float back to the surface. <laughs> but listen, I think go and see this for yourselves. There's two different views on this. It's not as bad as I think Van is making it out to be. It's watchable. And when something is watchable, it's okay. So I'm not putting it in Dark Phoenix territory, even though I thought that was watchable to an extent (laughs) welcome back so miss perfect let's go to space 
Do we have to? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Okay, so let's let's just preface this by saying I don't think either of us are fans of Ad Astra. No. Uh. And I was really hoping again to prove you wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's a popular Ad, pasta. I know. Ad Astra, <laughs> if anyone uh, has seen the million posters that are on all of our billboards, particularly around London, you'll see Brad Pitt's face. Um, and he looks like he's wearing a, an astronaut's outfit. And he is, uh, because he's off into space in Ad Astra. And he plays a uh, a major... I can't even remember what his surname well, is. I, I know, I'm so bored of it. <laughs> the thing is, I couldn't remember his surname, because he never even gets referred to it as. But they do refer to him by his first name a lot. And his first name is Roy. Roy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's playing Roy. So he's... He's astronaut Roy. He's Major Roy. He's Major Roy. Okay, so Major Roy is like this almost sort of infallible uh, guy who goes into space. His his, his uh, beats per minute on his heart never go above 80, even in the most like scary of situations. And that seems to be his defining qualification for anything. Seems yes. to be, you have a good heartbeat. So therefore, you can go into space. You can go into deep mm. space. You can do so, wherever we send you to. So it's set in the near future. It's mm. not set in the far future like you know unbelievable 50 future. years kind of a thing 50 maybe yeah. 100 years yeah. from now so things look the same it's kind of same same but different Applebee's right? is still a restaurant franchise yes. Virgin Atlantic still exists and goes to space despite the fact that Virgin Galactic exists and the Atlantic is nowhere near space but yeah, yeah. That, that's, I, I was amazed that it wasn't tagged as Virgin Galactic. Yeah, I, was I like, thought why that, wouldn't yeah. you do that? Anyway, you can travel commercially to the moon. You can. Um, if you are part of the army, uh, you can go further to Mars um, <laughs> to see some very Blade Runner-esque uh, style shots. Yeah, everything is lit in red. Yes, yes, yeah. I understand As if this. you didn't know you were on Mars, every light bulb is a red bulb. Yes, Exactly. Very weird. Because everything on uh, <laughs> everything on the moon is grey. Um, but the thing is, all right. So let's get back to the crux of the storyline here. Mm-hmm. Roy has daddy issues that have been suppressed. So the army decide to take matters into their own hands for a whole completely different reason. Send into Neptune to maybe go and sort those daddy issues out, and it's a hell of a long way to go. What can you tell us about the Lima project? First manned expedition to the outer solar system, sir. Some 29 years ago. And the commander was? It was my father, sir. The ship disappeared approximately 16 years into the mission. No data was ever recovered. Deep space missions were halted after that. Roy, we have something that might come as quite a shock to you. We believe your father is still alive near Neptune. My father's alive, sir? We believe so. Let's get this straight, okay? This is no big deal that his father is still alive on Neptune. <laughs> no. Well, that's the thing. I mean, the movie starts with, oh, there's a power surge and it's going to knock it out. It knocks out everything yeah. on Earth kind of thing. And we think it's to do with this experiment that Daddy was running years ago when we last heard from him and he might be out there in space. So what you've got is essentially the setup for Apocalypse Now in space. Yeah. And it it kind of plays that way. I would argue that Apocalypse Now was breezier and more of a good time than this. <laughs> uh this is this is a movie that wants to be a halfway mark between Interstellar and Gravity. Yes, but also there are elements of Blade Runner in mm, there with yeah. particularly with the pacing. So if oh, you yeah. watched Blade Runner first time and I love Blade Runner, don't get me wrong, and you thought god that is slow. 
bear in mind that this <laughs> the way I described it and actually I got called told I was really harsh in describing it this way I said it's like a glorified perfume advert in space I, I, and that's the thing isn't it it looks amazing yeah. and uh, to be fair I gave it two stars when I, when I did the, the, the yeah. regular star rating because th- I did see things that I had genuinely never seen before Yeah. I mean there's a, a sequence in the trailer when he, he has the space ladder I think in the trailer that I think is a genuinely brilliant sequence yeah. and a little bit sub-gravity admittedly but it, it, it is something I hadn't seen before yeah you have no element of the immersiveness of gravity Not in at this all, so no. even if you see it on an IMAX screen I'm pretty sure you won't feel that I think you also have the thing that annoyed me so much and is why I reference like a perfume advert it is run by this narrative that is so patronizing because right. um, you have this narration from Brad Pitt that is brooding and like he's like my father I've got to forgive myself. I've got to go. And I'm like, you know what? If you want to go and see Brad Pitt in a movie, you want to see Brad Pitt be Brad Pitt. You don't want to see him. You want to see him in Once Upon a Time. Is, is, yeah, is it, you it? don't. You want to see him in Fight Club. You want to yeah. see him, you know, it's all that kind of stuff. Him, he's He plays this character absolutely down to a T. It's exactly what is required of the character, but it doesn't need to be Brad Pitt to play this character. Right, it's interesting that you say that, right? Yeah. And, and that, you, that you single out, obviously, Brad Pitt, because he obviously he's the face on the poster star. But uh, the weird thing about this is Brad Pitt has to be the only person who worked more than two days on this movie. Because the number, every single <laughs> The number other of cameos. Member, every other cast member is a cameo. Yeah. I mean, Ruth Negger is in there. She's Donald brilliant. Sutherland is in there. Yeah. Apparently, Natasha Leone is in there. And the film is so forgettable that Tim Robbie was joking with us all on, t- on Twitter about how nobody can remember Natasha Leone actually being in the film. No, I don't. And it's true. Nobody does. Yeah. It's astonishing. I can, I can remember the visual image of what she looked like because she was lit in red. So I know she was uh, on Mars. Yeah. But other than that, I couldn't tell you what her character was. I still can't tell you what the hell the the, the, the actual plot, the end result of the plot, the well, whole actually, space machine thing the was. The whole thing is is that you actually don't care by the end no. of it, which is a massive shame. So Tommy Lee Jones plays his dad. Again, it's a bit of a cameo as well oh. that's drip-fed drip through you know, souped up futuristic, uh, no, futuristic iPads. <laughs> oh, God, yes. <laughs> but look, I think if you're going, I think it just was so self-indulgent, right? Because mm. if you are going to see something that you think looks beautiful on screen, you're going to get that. You're going to get that feel that maybe First Man gave you to some extent. You're going to get that feel that Interstellar gave you. It's not as clever as Interstellar because you're not learning anything by the end of it. No, it's true. And science geeks out there, you're not going to learn anything from Interstellar either because you, you're going to already know that part that is wrong but for us punters it's uh i will say for the science geeks though yeah this this movie is wildly contradictory with physics as in (laughs) one minute there is no sound in space which is exactly right yeah the next minute we're having car chases on the moon with guns and gun noises what what the hell is going on here yeah it is very very disjointed and Mm. the thing is is that what brings it down every time you have like a lift like a car chase which brings the temp the the tone up a little bit you then have brad uh, pitt's narration which just brings you right back down and i mean i didn't i thought this was my second film of the day Mm. yesterday i went and saw three films in it back to back and i thought oh my goodness i'm gonna i'm gonna pass out in this particularly if it is slow it kept my attention. There's a positive. It kept my attention, allowed me to watch it and allowed me to go, I can appreciate visually what the director was trying to do here. I appreciate they needed a big star to sell it. Brad Pitt is that is that star. 
He's not doing anything in this movie. There is nothing to stretch him in this. Very flatline, isn't it? It really is. And to be honest, by the end of it, you're a bit like, I don't really know what I watched. I don't really know why I care. And I didn't even really get a good look at Neptune. <laughs> <laughs> no, there is, a, there is exactly that. There, there are moments during this film where I was sat there thinking to myself, God, I wish I was watching Event Horizon again. Yeah, there's so many other... Like, if you're going to do a movie in space that is so far-fetched, make the whole movie far-fetched. Make yeah. it bonkers, you know? And people will enjoy it. It did feel like they really wanted to swing for some sort of awards consideration yes. with it. It definitely feels... And it's directed by James Gray, who did The Lost City of Zed. And it's an identical movie to The Lost City of Zed, just a different scenario. Basically, yes, isn't it? Yeah. I didn't even consider that until just this second. It is Lost City of... So it's Lost Planet of Zed. Yeah. Lost City of Zed in space. (laughs) Fair enough (laughs) for me. So uh, thumbs up, thumbs down from you, Wigo. Oh, I just think it's almost two thumbs down, but I can just lift one thumb up ever (laughs) so slightly. It doesn't float my boat in any way, but I appreciate the beauty of some of the shots in it, and that's the thing. So if you want to go and see an art installation, (laughs) go and watch this movie. I'm going with one thumb at the halfway mark. Okay. uh, Purely for the visuals. Fine. And that is it. Same as me then. I mean, I came away with a whole new appreciation for Interstellar. I'm not going to lie. I I liked Interstellar. I didn't understand it, but I liked it. But this one, I understood and I didn't really care. Murph. We want to give a shout out to our friends at Runway East where we record this show. They're on a mission to provide the world's best office space for startup teams and, well, they're doing pretty damn well at it. I'm partial to the roof garden myself. Uh, They're in London Bridge, Soho, Moorgate, very zen places to work. Give them a peep at runwayea.st. That's runwayea.st. Okay, so if we haven't convinced you to go to the cinema this week, don't worry. We've still got you sorted on the, on the small screen. So there's loads of good movies on the telly this week, some of which are, I have to say, classics that I will just go and watch again and again and again. It's very, very masculine week this week, actually, in yeah. a strange way. Particularly Sunday. <laughs> Particularly Sunday. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, the manliest yeah. of all the films. Well, why don't we kick off with Saturday, at least. Let's start the week. We've got Bone Tomahawk. Film for 11.05pm. Van, over to you. Did you get the chance to, to review this a couple of years ago? Absolutely not. So this came out in 2016, <laughs> I think it was. And it was the first film by S. Craig Zahler, who would go on to do uh, Cell Block 99 and Dragged Across Concrete. And this is one of the one of the most impressive, uh, I, I don't want to say action debuts, right. but debuts by an obviously horror and action-inspired director that I can ever remember witnessing. Is Army Hammer in this? Uh, no, it's Patrick Wilson. Okay. Patrick Wilson. Oh, uh, from Fox. The Conjuring. From The Conjuring, yeah. Uh, Patrick Wilson, uh, Matthew Fox from Lost. Yep. Uh, Richard Wilkins from uh, uh, Cabin in the Woods. And of course, Kurt Russell. Ah, uh, I will watch anything with Kurt Russell in right. it. Here's the setup. So, it's westerny times. Yep. A uh, bunch of savages come and, uh, come and abduct a woman, the, the town doctor's wife. Right. Drag her away. The doctor is injured and he asks the sheriff to help him form a team of guys. We're going to go off and rescue my wife. There is a lot more to it than that. There is a, a moment in the middle of the film that absolutely shifts not only what is going on, but changes the genre of the film entirely. And if you, the idea is to be as unprepared we, for it as possible. Are we talking sort of like Dust Till Dawn? Exactly shift. that. That is Amazing. the comparison. That, that, that is exactly it. And it's just got so much swagger. In. Do you know what? I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so going to ex- watch it. I'm, I'm so excited. Let me, let me wait your appetite a bit. Hey. Hey. When you watch how you speak to the law, Sheriff especially. You aren't captain. 
No. I'm the most intelligent man here, and I intend to keep us alive. Oh, you're the most intelligent man here. Is that a fact? It is. Sheriff Hunt has a wife. So does Mr. O'Dwyer. And you're a widower. Yeah. What has that got to do with anything? Smart men don't get married. It's just one of those. I... I'm imagining that this is this is a bit of a cult hit. I think, it, yes, it, it was. It's uh, very brutal. It's very gritty. It's very dark. Ladies, you'll love it. So, yeah. <laughs> Ta- if, you, if you've got Saturday evening plans, uh, just record it, watch it. You will never regret this. It is one of my favourite films of the last five years, easily. Fantastic. Okay, right. Well, moving on to Sunday. We've got The Borrowers, film four, at 1.05pm. So, if you've got kids in tow and mm-hmm. you're thinking what to do, you can't go out for whatever reason, this is going to be on telly for you. Now... You might have seen... Is this a more modern Borrowers? Because I'm thinking of the Ian Holm kind of back one. 1997 <gasps> uh, with John Goodman. Um, yes. yes, it is okay. exactly that one. And Because obviously, it, I think it's been remade... It's been remade for TV since by oh, the BBC. Okay. Not, and, not... Then, uh, and then there was an anime one as well. Yeah. Which yeah. was Arietti, or The Secret Life of Arietti. I thought Secret World of Arietti, something like that. Okay. Which is very good. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, who doesn't love a borrower? Who doesn't love a teeny tiny person that can run along your, your, your table and go into where mice can go? I mean, you know, there's not much more to it than that, really, is it? Not really. It's, isn't it? It's the humans by the house and the little people live in the, uh, in, in the skirting boards behind the walls. And they just sort of... It's weird. This and Mouse Hunt came out around the same time. Mouse Hunt, very different movie. The same kind of thing, though, with a small creature and people buying yeah. a house, trying to destroy the house to get rid of the small life yes. forms that live there. Yeah. It was weird that they came out weirdly around the same time. Very strange. But I think, even if, as an adult, every now and again, you need to go back and just check yourself and watch a, a really good sort of kids' movie that you grew up with. Like, it might be The Goonies, mm. it might be The Princess Bride, it might be The Borrowers, it might be something else. You know? For me, it's our next pick. Oh. <laughs> a kids movie no but it's a film I loved when I was 10 years old okay fair enough you were far too young to watch this but I bet you had a massive crush on Jamie Lee Curtis who doesn't have a massive crush even to this day I have a massive crush on Jamie Lee Curtis she won I distinctly remember you might guess this from our conversation here I distinctly remember it was like um, FHM or something mm. like that had their like you know top 100 oh they still do list. it every year yeah. oh they okay fine well back in the day when it was actually in print form um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that year Jamie Lee Curtis won like the hottest bod. I can absolutely believe it. Yeah. So uh, Monday night, film four at nine o'clock. The film, of course, is True Lies. It's Arnie as a spy, secret life that he keeps from his wife and, and daughter, and of course the lines between his his worlds start to come crashing down until both he and his wife are abducted, and he's forced to play ball. You know what this is. I know what this is. It's a snow cone maker. That's what it is. Do you know why you've been brought here? So that this man can verify to the world the Crimson Jihad is now a nuclear power. How can he do that? He is just a salesman, for Christ's sake. I'm wrong about him. The last thing you will see will be your blood spraying across his face. Dark. I have to say, when Arnie looks as Arnie did in this, mm-hmm. he was never going to be a salesman. Was he? <laughs> <laughs> I know it's like Total Recall, where he's yeah. meant to be implausible that he's this super spy. Actually, like, 
No, it's not. It, he looks like Arnie. Exactly. It's, oh, it's so funny. I love this movie. The dar- I keep going on about it. She was my girl crush throughout the 90s. Jamie Lee Curtis, oh, yeah. that dance that she does, you know, is quite incredible. It is. It is. It is. Uh, so, uh, I know I know from our conversation last week yes. that neither you nor Tom had seen any of the John Wick movies. We still haven't. We still haven't. It's been oh. a busy week. I'm sorry. So, well, luckily, uh, we got you covered. Tuesday night, 5 star, 9 p.m. The first John Wick is on. Good. Five star. I don't have actual proper telly at the moment. You know, I don't have telly. I don't have an aerial plugged in in my house. No, but, I don't. Uh, but uh, anyway, if you do, <laughs> if you do, John Wick's on. Um, we we talk about John Wick very often, so we're not going to talk too long about it now. Uh, it's on. It's a classic. Uh, shoot, shoot them up, right? Yeah, yeah. I can't wait. I will get onto it. I promise. I promise. Okay, we'll move swiftly on on that because you all know John Wick is worth a watch. Oh yeah. Um, Wednesday, Sony Channel, six twenty-five p.m. Something I got completely wrong <laughs> and misinterpreted what this is because I asked if Jean-Claude Van Damme or Dolph Lundgren was in this yeah. and it, it, it's not. It's Robin Williams. It's Bicentennial Man. Yeah, this was uh, a surprisingly li- uh, underrated and little seen move from late 99 to early 2000. Is this like AI? Uh, no, this is more of a, a sort of family drama. The idea is Robin Williams is a robot yeah. who is bought by a family as like a, a helper, you know, a, a, as a you know, lifestyle helper right and over the course of 200 years he just becomes part of this family and he lives through different generations of this family and as technology evolves etc he himself starts to physically become adapted and changed but and starts to look and behave more human as it goes on okay and i don't want to take much more than that but it's a very sweet film and it's really worth seeing you know when i said that you want to go and see a brad pitt film with brad pitt being brad pitt yeah i want to see a robin williams film where Robin Williams is Robin Williams. Exactly. Is he Robin Williams? He's quintessentially Robin Williams. It's leaning more towards one of his more dramatic ones, but it's still quite a sweet family comedy kind of a thing at times as well. What's your view on Flubber? Ah, my sister was into it. I, I, I was a bit too old for it, I think, at that yeah. point. I was like 15 when that came out. Yeah, I so. wouldn't, yeah, you and me both. I wouldn't I wouldn't sort of class it in Flubber territory then. No, no, not not like Flubber at all. No, okay. a little higher end than, than Flubber. Fantastic, okay. So. Moving swiftly on again, we've got Thursday. We're still getting you sorted with this. And do you know what? This one of those comedies, if you get a comedy right, yeah. particularly in sort of the last decade or so, you're going to get it really right. And they did. And this is what launched Steve Carell. It's the 40-year-old virgin. ITV2, 9 o'clock. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Yo, answer this question. Are you a virgin? <laughs> Are you a virgin? Yeah, yeah not, not since I was 10. It all makes sense. You're a virgin. I am. Shut up. How does that happen? He's a Oh, knew it. That makes so much sense, man. He's a virgin. You guys are are hilarious. All right, all right, all right. Come on, don't be mean. I'm not being mean. I'm trying to help the partner out. I'm trying to say I want to get you laid, dude. I I understand what's going on. You guys are so up your asses. We all know that guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> what a cast, though. When you look back at this, and it's like Steve Carell, Seth Rogen, Paul Rudd, Romany Malco, Jane Lynch, right, Catherine Keener, Elizabeth Banks. What a cast. If you haven't seen this movie, block out your Thursday night at 9 o'clock, ITV2. You'll be watching a comedy classic play out for you brilliantly and this like I say we wouldn't have Steve Carell if it wasn't this movie because this literally Mm. did launch him oh it really it really did Uh, end of the week though one final one and you 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 obviously reacted very positively to learning this was what we were going to cover 
Yeah, one of my favourite movies of the last few years. Yeah, The Martian, film four, nine o'clock. Not the movie you would expect to see from the poster. Not at all. And in I fact, love that. And a great, a great Matt Damon performance in Fantastic. which he largely plays opposite himself. Right. Let's do the math. Our service mission here was supposed to last 31 souls. For redundancy, they sent 68 souls worth of food. That's for six people. So for just me, that's going to last 300 souls, which I figure I can stretch to 400 if I ration. So I got to figure out a way to grow three years worth of food here on a planet where nothing grows. Luckily, I'm a botanist. Mars will come to fear my botany powers. So good in this, isn't he? He's so good, and it's so surprisingly funny. Yeah. But, um, I mean, did you read the book? No, I didn't, no. Because ah, the, the book is in first person. Right. And it's a lot more foul-mouthed, and it's a lot, it's a lot more adult, but yeah. the film is a really good interpretation of it. Fantastic, because I think you could go into this movie not knowing anything about it, and you will just love it. So, yeah, again, what a solid week in TV. I know, right? <laughs> Makes up for last week. Well, yeah, not last week. Yeah. We had a really when bad week. We recently. had a really bad week a few weeks ago. Right. But there you go. That is all your top telly. What's top movies on the telly for you? And next up, we're going to be talking about what's coming out on video on demand, streaming, all that kind of jazz. Welcome back, and well, let's uh, let's take it back to the couch. Let's put on a shiny disc. Let's grab the remote and do some on-demanding. And yeah, what do we got? You say shiny disc? I just think you're in the nineties <laughs> still. It's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, out on DVD and Blu-ray this week uh, is Aladdin. One film on its own out on DVD. That is it. Yeah. Make way, Prince Ali, fabulous he, Ali of Barbwa is coming to the small screen. You know what? Actually, that's a funny thing. Until I saw this version of Aladdin, I never actually realised. That uh, despite that being an actual line in the song, that Prince Ali is meant to be from the fictional kingdom of Ababwa because they have to actually explain that it is a place in, in this. Did you not get that? I didn't get. I never really thought about it. Okay. Yeah, I never. <laughs> I tried never to think about the logic of the plot of Aladdin. What you think about when it comes to movies do, does baffle me every now and again. Uh, but hey, hey, I'm just annoyed that Guy Ritchie made a live action interpretation of Aladdin starring Naomi Scott as Princess Jasmine, and they skipped the entire Red Jasmine. Scene. Sequence. I mean, what is that about? I don't even know what you're talking about. You're better off not knowing. Okay. okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they, they actually now make pop figures of it. So. Okay. Mm. Um, do you know what? I we're in the lead up to this movie. There yeah. were clips released of some of the songs. Prince Ali, Fabulous Heat, Ali Bois Bois yeah. is one of those clips that was released. And people were hating it. And they were like, what have you done to one of our favourite Disney movies? Why are you doing this? Will Smith, you're putting no effort into it. Blah, 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 blah. And I have to say, ladies and gents, you go and watch it. It ain't that bad. Hey, can you make me a prince? There is a lot of grey area in Make Me a Prince. I could just make you a prince. Oh, no. Right, you'd be snuggled up with that dude for the rest of your life. Y'all see my palace? Be specific with your words. The deal is in the detail. Got it. Which I don't really understand because if she already likes you, why change? I told you, she has to marry a prince. I just want to go home, man. Okay, I can do that. I mean, he could have used his wish to change the legislation of the, you know, of the, of the monarchy. And the, and never mind. Anyway, <laughs> whole thing, whole thing. I'm thinking, now I'm thinking about it too much. Uh, let me ask you, did you like it? No. 
Didn't, oh. <laughs> didn't like it. Didn't like this film at all. Okay. Uh, I thought Will Smith was, was fine in it, but he was quite clearly starring in a different movie to everyone else, largely because most of his filming had to take place separate from everywhere else because he had to be, you know, in a green screen lab. Yeah. And other than perhaps a handful of scenes where Mina Masood, who plays Aladdin, will have had to go and be on that green screen with him, it does seem that a lot of his performance is self-contained. And as a result, he seems to have been weirdly pitched a different interpretation of the film to everyone else. So he got the, we're doing hip-hop RuPaul. That's what we're doing. We're doing hip-hop okay. drag, ra- drag race thing. That's, that's our version of Aladdin. And he's swinging for that. And it works. That actually does work. The problem is everything else. And the fact that Guy Ritchie cannot direct a musical. Because I think he's forgotten that musicals aren't you're sat 40 feet away and everything is in a medium wide. It's meant to be you're moving with it. You're in the energy. And it doesn't have that for me. However, you know, it's Aladdin. So this is, copies of this are going to fly Good. off the shelves. I'm glad, I'm glad you're saying that because I just thought... Grunt bags, move to the side. <laughs> it's actually fine. Um, <laughs> it's a doable movie. These Disney remakes are mm. not groundbreaking. If anything, they're going to annoy people more because they're not exactly as you remember from the cartoon. Loved Lion King. What? I loved Lion King. Gotta oh, say. my point proven. Didn't mind Dumbo. Either. Didn't. I didn't mind Dumbo, but I tell you, Lion King... I'm not even going into Nala and Beyonce with you oh, because... yeah, some of the songs in Lion King are rubbish. Yeah. I mean, specifically, Can You Feel the Love Tonight, which oh, is yeah, a it was terrible... Like, can you feel the love tonight? Bye, 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 bye. How do, you, <laughs> how do you get Donald Glover and Beyonce and ruin an Elton John song? That is insane. Yes. Okay, we're not talking about that. Sorry, go on. <laughs> this, I think I was expecting it to be rubbish. Mm. And again, as I said at the beginning of today's show, mm. put your expectations low. It can only be better. And that's exactly what's happened here because actually it really wasn't that bad. It's totally watchable. It's good if a younger generation has not seen the magic of Aladdin before. It's a great intro into that, which allows you mums and dads out there that are listening in to then say, you know what? You enjoyed that. Let me show you what I grew up on. And then you watch the original cartoon. What's in, the you... uh, song they've given Jazz? They give her a female and a female Oh yeah, that's forgettable. Song. Stop doing this so you can try and get into the best original song category at the Oscars okay? that's the only reason why you're ruining everything and putting in an original song nobody cares she sings a song about uh, it's standing like an up empower- yeah it's an empowering song and then gets kidnapped 90 seconds later which I thought was brilliant oh, like, that is unintentionally hilarious yeah. but, but also uh, like Will Smith Big shoes to fill from Robin Williams. Big pointy How are you curly do it? shoes. No, big pointy curly shoes. How are you going to do it? Same, same, but different. Yeah. I think he does a good job. I think he works it as as compartmentalized as it is. I mm. think he does the best that he could possibly do. That I think Mina Masood is great. Naomi Scott is great as the, uh, as that. And I think it's a colourful, fun romp through you know the Middle East to see <laughs> what is going on within the world of Aladdin. It works. It's shiny. It's fine. You know, it was nearly Kevin Hart, the genie. Oh no! I, I, I could have seen it work. I personally would rather it have been Dwayne Johnson. I would love that. Oh my god! But then again, that's my answer to everything. So let's uh, let's go to streaming really quickly. Uh, I'm going to leave this one to you because I haven't. For my sins, I have not seen "Call Me by Your Name." It yeah. is available on Netflix from Thursday, so I will watch it. Mm. But. I know you've seen it. Oh, right. Okay. First of all, gorgeous, visually wonderful film with uh, two wonderful performances from uh, Timothy Chalamet, apparently the greatest actor who has ever lived, and uh, Army Hammer, who we're apparently now forgiving for the Lone Ranger. I don't know when we all agree to that. But uh, anyway, uh, it is the. Uh, it's, it's, it's a. 
love story between a uh, young boy and his sort of first gay love in is it 80s Italy, I think. It's based on the popular novel. Uh, adapted for the screen, written and directed by Luca Guadagnino, who would then go on to make the Suspiria remake afterwards as well, which lasted about four days. And, uh, yeah, it, I say wonderful to look at, wonderfully acted. I don't particularly think it's the be-all and end-all of awards-caliber cinema that every other film critic insists it is. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's on Netflix. Make up your own mind. It's really slow, isn't it? It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's why I haven't bothered to watch it. When I miss it for review and someone tells me how <laughs> slow the pacing is, I'm like, yeah, I'm over it. Um, so something that probably isn't slow, because you'll be jumping if you're anything like me in this, is... Creep Show season one. Right, I've messed up the text on this, by the way. So oh. this is this is not on Netflix from Thursday, September the twenty sixth, as it says on there. It is in fact on Shudder from Thursday, September twenty sixth, which is oh, the. Uh, I on-demand. don't have Shudder. Well, you get the trial for a week and just watch this show and cancel. Okay. Um, basically, a TV adaptation or TV sort of follow-on or companion piece to the 80s film from Steven Spielberg and George Romero. Uh, and it is the same kind of horror anthology. It is very much in the vein of something like Goosebumps or something like that, but aimed at a much more adult level. It's like a massive guilty pleasure, isn't it? I just oh, want to yeah. scare myself. And it's like some weird pleasure pain thing. <laughs> this got a lot of love at Comic Con this year. Okay. And uh, having seen the trailer many times, I can I can absolutely understand. Is it like circus based? Uh, well, no, I think there is there is invariably always a circus episode because that's just what all horror stuff does now. But yeah. uh, like you have to have one season of American Horror Story that takes place in the circus because that's what you do. That's yeah. horror. And actually, but. do you know what? Just as a little bonus for you, mm. there's a new season of. Uh, of uh, American Horror Story that has launched on Netflix as well this week. Has that started this week? Has just started. 1984, is it? Uh, uh, AHS 1984, yes, something like that. Something like that. But it's, I, did, I saw it the other day and I was like, that is my weekend sorted. Oh, uh, well. <laughs> I, I spent my last weekend watching Rambo movies, so I really can't say anything. You and I are very different people, but yet the same at sometimes. Yeah. Well. <laughs> same, same, but different. Speaking of, by the way. Yes. Right. I don't know if you knew this, right? We tend to, as a film viewing culture, we tend to really gloss over the fact that there is an entire Rambo movie in which Sylvester Stallone trained the Taliban. And that he actually ended that movie with text on the screen that says, This movie is dedicated to the gallant people of Afghanistan. Yeah, American wow. foreign policy, as Chris Honeyset said yesterday, does not age well. No, it does not. But remember, there are films that are of its time. <laughs> <laughs> well, that has been kind of quite the roundup that we've got this week. Do you know what? It's, I think, in terms of a week of movies on the big screen and the small screen, it's kind of mid-range this week. Mid-range, you know, yeah. Yeah, if we're being honest, it's not a standout week like last week was. So mm-hmm. if you are still, if none of this floats your boat and you're thinking, what can I go and watch at the cinema that I really want to go and see, listen to last week's episode as well of our podcast and you'll be able to listen back here some very excellent and very beautifully English accents as we talk about Downton and we also talk about Hustlers, um, Hustlers mm. one of our films of the year so if you haven't listened to that episode then give that one a listen back and go and check that out at the cinema as well but for the time being we're going to be back again next week we've got some interesting stuff to come as well yes we uh, do we've got uh, a film I'm very much looking forward to talking about uh, Ready or Not is next week. Yes, let's contain Van for at yeah, least a week on that. We've also got uh, Jamie Bell in Skin. 
Oh, yes. That's that is like neo Nazi kind yeah. of. Oh, I, I, I will try and get to go and see That's that. That's intriguing. We've also got that Hotel Mumbai next week. Yes, we With do. Dev Patel? Dev yes, Patel? Yes. And uh, so what else? The Goldfinch is out next week. Which I've read something today and it used the word bomb. Yeah. <laughs> mm. I might skip the Goldfinch and go with skin instead. Might be. Might be an idea. Well, there we go. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Loads more movies to come. I've been Bex Perfect. I've been Matt Connor. And this has been Off Screen. 